0: So, Jesus, thank you that you're here. No, in all seriousness, uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here, that you are clearly doing something in this room. Um, And so, Lord, I just ask that for all of us today, that we will just feel, um, that we'll feel your love. And uh, God, just give us, give us hearts to receive the truth that you want to reveal to us today that you have already revealed and that you are about to reveal. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well it is good to finally be back. I'm already recording. We got a fancy iPad. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Um it's good to finally be back. Uh yeah, it's been so much travel. I love it, and I'm also like, I got him home, um, but Oregon was awesome. I went up there, as you guys know, some of you, most of you know, some of you might not. I went up there for David's tent. I also went up to visit a friend, um, but I really, I wanted to take a moment before I started um, to to just thank you for your prayers and sending me out because I felt them. Um, yeah. The whole time was just great, and the two sets that I led were really awesome times with the Lord. Um, I was blessed just as much as I hope as the people who were in the tent were blessed. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to thank you, and I'm super thankful for a community that prays and prophesies and works, partners with the Holy Spirit, Um, as one who's been on the receiving end of that my whole life. It's just really nice. So I, I love you guys. Um, thank you. Um, so it's really funny, and I just got a word this morning about how this is this is a, a an appointed time. Um, it's I I knew like a month ago that I was teaching today, coming off of all of my travels and all of the things and. For me, it I'm kind of like I just have to focus on what's in front of me, otherwise I get super overwhelmed. So I didn't know what I was teaching on until mm, Monday, <laughs> um, and I was like, Lord, I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm doing, and then he told me, and I was like, whoa, this is weird because it was actually something that I experienced while I Oregon." So the Lord just works in mysterious ways, as they say. Um, so while I was in Oregon, for most of the the time that I was up there, I was just kind of doing life with my friend. I just was living her normal life. Um, and so through like halfway through the week, she was like, okay, Jill, Friday's an open day. We've got to do something that's not like, going to a coffee shop, going to David's tent, coming back and watching a TV show. Like, we have to do something touristy. And I was like, okay. So she starts running down the list of all the things. We can do waterfalls, we can go here, we can go there. And then she mentions the coast. And I was like, well, I've actually never been to the coast. I've done the water, I've done not all of the waterfalls, but I've done plenty and all of that. So I was like, let's go to the coast. And she was like, cool. There's this hike that we can take that will take us up to, I don't know, a cliff, I don't know the technical term, um, that will overlook the coast. And I was like, cool. So she said, she said it was great and it was worth it. She had done it before and she loves it. And so I was like, uh. and instantly I began to like daydream of what this was gonna look like. And it was, I just started picturing the beauty and the serenity and the peace and the just, the view and all of the things, and I was going to take my journal and have quiet time with the Lord, and it was going to be awesome. I basically daydreamed the perfect day, my perfect day. And so I was like, yes, let's do that. I'm totally down for that. Um, What I didn't think about was how we were going to get up there because that's not fun. Um, The trail was... Maybe half a mile, maybe less. I don't know. I'm the one that had to walk it, so it felt like an eternity. Um, But it was really steep. So because it was so short, as we know, it's so short, but it takes you up really high. So it has to be really steep, right? So it was pretty steep. So mm, 10 steps in, I was like, I'm ready to be done. Let's turn around. And I'm okay. and I, I have to be honest. When I get in that place, my attitude gets real bad. And I was complaining with my out loud voice and inside my head. And it was the inside my head conversation was far worse than the out loud conversation because filter. But either way, it was still really bad. Um, my neck was started hurting like quarter of the way in, I was carrying a backpack, and Crystal at first was like, give me the backpack, and I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm totally great, and then we walked in, and she was like, do you want me to take the backpack, and I was like, no, I've got this, (laughs) and then I finally gave her the backpack, because it wasn't even that heavy, that's the, that was the real kicker, was I was like, this is, it's our sweatshirts and your water bottle, I'm fine, but, and then a what was, like, the perfect weather day turned into, like, hell in an instant because I was just, like, sweating and, like, oh, it was terrible. Ugh. Um, the journey was just really tough for me. So I was saying, like I said, with my out loud voice, I was saying, this sucks, uh, a lot, ooh, or I just get really silent. Um, I just don't, I just don't talk um but the internal conversation that was going on in my head sounded like this and well i'll just tell you and then we'll we'll go from there <laughs> Jeez. so the internal conversation with the lord sounded a little something like this this sucks this is not what i signed up for i want to quit are we there yet uh this is stupid Why does the brush have to touch me? What if this is poison oak? Ugh, nature is icky. That's vulnerability, guys, because that's real. I wish I was lying. I wish I was making that up just to make you giggle, but that's true. So um, the fact that I lived to tell you about that tells you that the Lord is patient. (laughs) Um, So spoiler alert, obviously we made it, because the journey, I probably wouldn't be teaching it if we didn't make it, but um, we did make it to our destination. And um, when we got up there, we did what our generation does and like took all the pictures and let's do selfies. And um, we also Marco Poloed, which is like a social media thing. We Marco Poloed my mom, cause she loves the coast. She loves the beach. So we were like, well, obviously we're gonna have to tell her that you should be jealous. Um so we did all of that and then once that was done I felt it and I knew that I needed to sit and just take it in and not do anything just take it in and so I grabbed my jacket and I laid it on the ground and I just sat overlooking the coast overlooking this beautiful view like literally it, you could look out and there's the coast of Oregon obviously not all of it and then you could leave the back if you turn your back If you turn towards what would be the back, there's a lake. It's just so crazy. That's like my dream, to have the ocean, and then a few miles over, there's a lake. Um, The name of the lake was the Devil's Lake, so I don't know, but whatever. It looked beautiful. Um, So I just took it in and began to journal, and... So I wanted to share with you just a little bit of my journal, not all of it, because not all of it was relevant to today, but um, some of it was. So what's relevant today, I'm going to just read it to you. I have it here, and this is what I wrote. I went for a hike today. More accurately, I went for a really steep walk. I was exhausted two steps in. I wanted to quit. I wanted it to be easier. I wanted it to be over. The more I looked up at the trail ahead, the more I wanted to quit. Finally, we got there, and boy, was it worth it. The beauty, the peace, the joy. He made this moment just for me. The moment? No, he made the whole thing. We curse the journey and celebrate the destination, but maybe that's the problem. David genuinely enjoyed the joy, excuse me, David genuinely enjoyed the journey that led him to be king. I would imagine that there were days that he wished he could go back to those days in the pasture. This is a journal about taking hold of the journey, or you won't embrace the reward. It will feel cheap and like it's not yours. The truth is, it was made just for you, the journey and the destination. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the destination. Um, We're going to talk about what scripture calls glory. Um, But for most of this, we're going to talk about the journey. Because the journey is where I feel like we get most attacked, right? Right? That's, that's, the, that's the hardest part. And so uh, Romans 8, 17. If somebody asked me what my favorite chapter in Scripture was today, I know I have a whole lot of life left to live, and I have a whole lot of Bible left to read. But today, my favorite chapter in Scripture by, like, a landslide is Romans 8. I know Romans gets a bad rap. Because there's a lot of things that are difficult, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a whole lot of identity in Romans, especially Romans eight. It's my favorite. It brings me so much peace. Um, so that's just extra for you. Um, so Romans eight seventeen. Before eight seventeen, Paul is. T- so he's just talked about as our legal standing as children. So he's just talked about how the Holy Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And so then he continues and says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So as you can see, the key phrase there is if indeed we suffer with him. So the question for me, when I look at this is, well, what did Jesus suffer, right? I want to look at that a little bit closer to understand what did, what did my Lord and Savior go through that I have to suffer in with him? And the understanding, I'm not saying that we're going to suffer the same ways that he did because he took, he, he took it on once and for all, right? But if he suffers, then obviously we're gonna suffer. So, hold on, cause we're gonna go real dark real quick. But we'll come back out, don't worry. It's gonna get a little bit heavy here. So, reviewing Jesus' suffering. I'm, for the, obviously for the sake of this is one Sunday, I'm gonna boil it down to the really concentrated stuff. And that's obviously the process of his death. Obviously, I'm sure he went through so much more, but this, this is where we have the most like scriptural basis that describes things very intensely of his suffering. So for me, it starts, we're going to start from the Passover dinner where Jesus has to basically call out his betrayer um, and just say, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me today. And that is... Sorry. Um, one of you guys is going to betray me today and tells him to go. So he tells Judas, go and do what you have to do. Um, Judas later in his betrayal, when, when, the, when the deed is done, if you will, Judas chooses to use a kiss as the, as the sign to the arresting officers, that this is the guy you're supposed to take. Again, Judas chooses that. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kiss him. That's like a really intimate way to, uh, that's a really intimate way to betray somebody, right? Like the most intimate way in this particular circumstance to kiss somebody as you're betraying them, as the symbol of betrayal, that's got to be tough to take. But Jesus has to do that. So he's betrayed. Um, Then I'm going to read it from my Bible. I want to talk about Jesus in the garden, Matthew 26, 36. I forgot to... All right. Matthew twenty We're going to read it. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the, to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is John and James, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Okay. So the, the situation is he's just finished the Passover meal. Now they're coming to a place that they've come before. This isn't like, it's not like this is special to this particular process. He and the disciples have come to the Garden of Gethsemane before. He leaves some of them and he takes his three. So we know Jesus had his 12, but within the 12, there were the three that he had, his like really close confidants. He takes them a little farther and he reveals to them that, Something's going on within his head. So looking at these words that, that Matthew and Mark and Luke use to describe what Jesus is describing to these three, Matthew uses words that talk about a, a deep sadness, uh, an all-encompassing sadness. Uh, it's a lot of grief. Um, Mark uses language. He uses a Greek word that means to be terrified when he talks about being deeply distressed. And then Luke describes Jesus being in so much agony and the word for agony, that, the Greek word for agony that he uses is severe mental struggles of emotion and anguish. Um, and that leads him to begin to sweat blood, which again, we know is totally possible. Um, so that's what's going on with Jesus in the garden. So when he prays, to God, let this cup pass from me, we have to understand he's completely accepted the crucifixion or else he wouldn't have come, right? So when he's asking the Lord, let this cup pass from me, he's not talking about crucifixion. He knows he has to die, right? What he's talking about is this torment. He's experiencing such intense torment there's literally I've like this week looking at this chapter rocked me because I've never seen this before in scripture I've looked over this before but I've never seen it I can't think of another word that would explain what Jesus must have been experiencing other than torment there was such terrifying things going on in his mind that he felt depressed and anxious and there was, he was basically having the most intense anxiety attack ever as he's in the garden. And so that's why he's praying, let this cup pass from me, is he's basically saying, don't let this be the death of me. Can, can you take this from me? And, and we know in Luke, Luke uh, talks about how then an angel came and strengthened him, and he continued to pray more. Um. But he also asked his buddies to pray with him. And what happened when he went to go out there and check on his buddies and see what they were doing? They weren't praying with him. They were sleeping. And he, did, he prayed this prayer three times. Matthew talks about how he went out to Peter, James, and John and saw them sleeping and said, Hello, what's going on? Then he said, pray, and asked them to pray again. And then he went back and prayed some more. And then he went back to Peter, James, and John. And then he, he did that. So he prayed this prayer three times. So Jesus is suffering. He did endure anxiety. He was tormented in his mind. Um, I can't imagine what that's like. I've had anxiety attacks, and they're not fun. I can't imagine the level of his to the point where you literally sweat blood. The things that he must have been seeing and hearing and enduring, I just don't ever want to know. Um, and then to be, to want to be depending on your friends and your friends, as Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the, f- but the flesh is weak. They're just like, I can't. it would be hard to, to reach out to your friends when you're going through it. And they're just like, I can't, I can't, I need to sleep. Um, so that's, that's another part of Jesus' suffering on, on that road to the cross. Then there's the entire process, that day, that Jesus walked through. Um, once Judas kisses him and he's taken into custody, we know that he's beaten, he's blindfolded and, and punched in the face, and he's mocked in the midst of that. Um, the soldiers you know, say if you're the son of God tell us who just punched you those kinds of things he, he goes through that he goes through lashes with a beaded whip um, he's we can just bank on the fact that through the whole time he's just mocked um, his beard is torn from his face it's just when I brush my hair because it's so long now I have to, like, brush it in segments because if I get down here and it's tangly, it hurts because it's pulling, right? Like, I can't even handle brushing my hair pain kind of pulling on my scalp. I can't imagine, like, that pain. And then the crown of thorns, and there's obviously so much more that he endured. I'm just breezing through it. But Isaiah 52, 14 says, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. I'll say that again. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. I've heard this talked about and people say Jesus was unrecognizable. That's a severe understatement. Jesus didn't look human by the end of it. That's how intense this whole process was. His friends abandoned him, which is obviously it was prophesied that they would scatter like sheep. Um, there were a few people, the, the women. There was his mother. And there were a lot of Marys at the cross, his mom, another Mary, possibly another Mary, Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, and John. John was the only one. That stuck around. He was the only friend that stayed. Um, But other than that, everybody else just disappeared. Nowhere to be found. And finally and probably the worst of all that he had to endure was the separation from the Father. The moment that he had to cry out, "My, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's gone through all of this. And then his one saving grace that had been his comfort all the days of his life and that was taken from him. Well, he gave it up. <laughs> so that's Jesus' suffering. Like I said, gets real dark, got real dark there. But it's important to see the things that Jesus endured. It's important for us to see when that Paul didn't write that verse haphazardly it wasn't just this thing that he just included it says very clearly we we are these things we are children and and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him but then he says that we may be glorified together so now we're going to get lighter take a deep breath it's going to be okay Paul continues in Romans 8 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Even what Jesus went through, even all of that being mutilated to a point of not looking human, pales in comparison to the glory that was going to be revealed in him three days later. It doesn't even, like, come close. So for me, I had to ask myself the question, why and how? Why did Jesus endure this, and how did he persevere? Because that informs my walk, right? That informs our walk through the journey. If we have to do what Jesus did, then my question becomes, okay, Lord, why did you do it? And how did you do it? So for the first question of why did he endure this suffering, I know I've said this before, and I know most of you know this, but it's, it's always good to remember the key word for today, remember. We have to remember what we're talking about here. So just really quickly, we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to breeze through it. So we know the beginning. There was a trinity. There was God, God the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there was such perfect love in that unity that they decided we've got to share this with, with somebody. So let's create, right? So they created with the understanding, and this is a, this is a really important thing for us to, to, to grab hold of. The rest of creation was simply an expression of love. God is always loving. He loves what he created. He, he loves the fact that he made earth and vegetation and land and sea and all of that. But it was simply an expression of that love for who? For us. There's only one thing in creation that was made in his image, and that was us, mankind. So everything else was made as an expression of his love for us. He wanted to bring us, he, he wanted to make a home for us to live and dwell with him. So Adam and Eve when he created Adam and Eve, we know scripture says they walked with God in full communion. There was nothing separating them. Literally nothing separating them. They walked naked. There was nothing that they had to hide from him. And so that was that was the that was the intention. That was the hope. That was the promise. Until, right? Until Adam and Eve made a choice. And the choice that they made, like my mom talked about today during prayer, the choice that they made was we're going to listen to the voice of this, this voice that we've never heard before. This stranger. We're going to listen to him and his questions over the only other voice besides probably each other's they've ever heard. Can you fathom that? The only other voice besides their spouses was God's voice. And they chose to not listen to that voice, but to the voice that said, Are you sure? And so they had, that obviously broke the covenant there. And so they were thrown out of the garden. We always look at it from Adam and Eve's perspective. They were thrown out of the garden and life went from there because that's our story. But there's another person's story. There's another entity's story in this. God lost something that day too. Jesus lost something that day. See, Jesus is depicted later as a husband, right? Not even really later, later, but obviously there's, there's things in the Old Testament that talks about God being the husband, but Jesus lost a bride that day, so God lost sons and daughters that day, so, and there were how many years in between before Jesus came, before Jesus was born, that they also had to endure that separation. This love that was welled up inside of them that they wanted to share with us got a wall in between it. And they could only share a level of love that we would allow based off of the choices we were making and the sin and all of the things, right? That's why he created law. Was so that there could be some sort of like, I got to share something with you. So here's the law and and the measure and and all of that. So, again, the question, or the answer to the question, why did he endure the suffering? Jesus is the loving husband in pursuit of his bride. Ephesians 5, I love Paul's writing. I think that I'm obviously not married myself, um, but... When I read Ephesians 5, I'm like, man, if we could just do that, we'll be great, whoever he is out there somewhere. I just love Ephesians 5. I think it's great. And the way that he sums this up, I love the picture of Jesus in this for us. Paul wrote, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I'm going to pause there for a second. Why did he do it? He gave himself for her, and why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. His driving force, Through all that I just described, was us. He was a lovesick husband, willing to do anything if it meant that he got to be in full communion with us again. If it meant that he got to rule and reign with us, as was always his heart. That was always what he wanted. I just, that he might present her to himself. It wasn't anything we had to do. He did it for us. Because he wanted a bride that, that was worthy. So, how did he do it? Hebrews 12. Two says looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God what he was thinking about the thing that helped him to persevere was us Again, like I said, being able to walk in full communion with his bride once again and ultimately to rule and reign with her, that was his driving force. Later down in in chapter 8 of Romans, Paul writes, But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Jesus was able to persevere because there was hope. There was hope in the promise. Even though at the time of his death, his bride wasn't pure, spotless, and without blemish. He knew that day was coming and that day was only. Then if he could push through, then that glory was going to, he was going to get there. So he just kept plowing away kept plowing away, kept plowing away. (laughs) Another aspect of how he got through it, and it goes along with what I just said, the joy that was set before him, is what I call, the, like I've mentioned it here today, the hope of the promise. In Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. For I have become like wineskin and smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. What wineskin and smoke does is it gets really, like it gets soot on it, and it gets really dry and crinkled and wrinkly and just, it has no life in it anymore. It's just dry and it really doesn't offer anything. Um, It's not helpful in any way. Yet I do not forget your statutes. So, back to this lesser story. It's obviously just like a small picture of what's going on, of what I'm talking about. As I was walking up that, oh, that stinking path. um, I told you about the internal conversation that was going on, my side of it. But I didn't tell you the other side of it. There was another voice in my head. And... He was a lot nicer than I was. (laughs) So as I kept walking and and just like would look up and be like, oh my gosh, it's so much longer, I got the vision, the picture in my head constantly of what it's going to be like once I get up there. What is it going to look like? And just the hope, the hope of what it could look like. I had no frame of reference for what it was actually going to look like. But it was the the hope was enough. And then I could hear his voice clearly say, it's gonna be worth it. You're doing great. Keep your head up. You've got this. And with I mean, faithfully, every time I said something to curse the moment, he said something to bless it. You're doing great. Keep going. You got this. The other part of that is, this is a, yeah, the other part of it is I have enough history with my friend to know that if she says that it's going to be worth it, then it must be worth it. I love her enough and we've gone through enough together that if if she says, I'm going to love this, I trust her because she knows me and I know her and we know what we like and i know that her heart for my trip was to only bless me and to only give me opportunities to rest and to find peace because she knows that chaos in my mind is is like all day 24 7. and so for her if it's like if i can just give this girl any ounce of peace i will do it and so if that means that we've got to hike this this path then that's what that means because once we get to the top it's gonna be worth it So I had two promises to lean on. I had my father in heaven telling me it's going to be worth it. And I had my great friend who I've lived a life with telling me it's going to be worth it. So this has got to be worth it. I strongly believe God gave me that image that day because he knew I was going to hate every minute of it. (laughs) That I was going to struggle up that mountain. And can I tell you? i done enough, like, I'm not a hiker, I don't love hiking, but I've done mountain biking with my dad. And when the uphills come, I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm so bad at uphills. And how I deal with it is, for me, if I stop, I'm done. So if I take a break, I might as well just walk back down because I'm not going to get started again. I've lost all momentum and I'm exhausted. I'm done. So for me, what helps me get up is I go at a sloth pace. I mean, it's embarrassing how slow I go just like once just one I literally have to take one step at a time. And people will go ahead of me and it just is what it is. My my dad when I go mountain bike riding with him, he'll like ride up a little bit and then he'll circle back around and then come in and check on me and make sure I'm still okay and like not gonna pass out and then he'll go up ahead and then he'll circle if I had to circle back around for somebody I wouldn't live they would have to call the paramedics and be like she's like hyperventilating and now she's passed out but you know that's why you travel with those who are just better than you at those things Um, so I know the Lord gave me that picture that day to get me through. And I know he gave me a good friend to walk that path with to encourage me, somebody that I could trust. When I doubted that voice in my head, if there were ever a moment that I doubted that voice in my head, I had somebody saying, no, it's going to be worth it. Um, And that's the same as our spiritual walk. You've got to listen to that voice in your head. He does talk to you. And you've got to walk with your friends. Community is so important. I know we know this, but um, yeah, community is so important. So now we're getting to the destination part. Um, We go from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, when Moses saw God pass by, we know that God had to cover his eyes. He passed by, and then Moses caught, like, the back of Jesus or the back of God. Jesus, all of them. They're all the same. And he, because of God and his glory, Moses began to glow from the remnants of what he had just seen. And he had to veil his face before he went down to talk to the Israelites because it was a lot, (laughs) And they would have just been like gone, done, right. But we have Jesus, so we, with unveiled faces, get to behold the Lord as in a mirror. And we go back to what we talked. To, what we were talking. I love when the Lord just works all things together for good. Also in Romans eight. Um, when he works all things together because what the story that my mom told us from Lion King, that's what this is talking about. That moment where you have to, what Paul is writing here is we're supposed to reflect the father. We look like him. We were made in his image. And so as clear as the reflections of our own faces in a mirror That's how we are supposed to reflect the Father to the world. And how we do that is journeying from glory to glory. That too is really important because that's the journey. That's the next stop. As So once we left that spot up on the cliff, and can I just tell you, okay, there was this moment. I'm just going to, again, this is extra, not on the notes. We're standing up there on this cliff, and I'm looking out over the ocean, and I, I told Crystal, I looked at Crystal, my friend, and I said, I have grown to love the ocean. I haven't always loved the ocean. I am learning to love the beach, but... But I love the ocean, and I love looking out. And I realized this. I said, when I look out at the ocean, I feel closer to God, because I feel like I get a deeper understanding of what it means to look at him, where it's so big. Like, you can look out and try your hardest, and like, you know, try your hardest, but eventually you're going to stop seeing it. you know there's more but there's like the ocean and you can see so clearly you know on the coast of Oregon the water is so blue and it's just so beautiful and not only does it go out but it goes deep the ocean and there's aspects of the ocean that we can't even get to cuz it's so deep that we would just die um and that's the Lord. That's God. He gives us glimpses, but he's so vast and he's so deep and he's so wide and high and long. His love is just so, I loved. it was amazing to just look out and take breaths and just breathe that in. Um, and so we stayed there for a little bit. And then we tried to go, we were thinking of like, well, let's let's go up to this we were looking at the map and we were like well let's go up to this spot and it's called god's thumb so we started walking further we realized thanks to google maps that it's way longer than we had time for energy for we were hungry all of the things so we decided to turn around but what that meant was there was more uphill and it was pretty steep um and then the downhill because that first part that i was talking about where i was complaining the whole time Because that was so steep, the downhill was even hard. And that's like different muscles and all of that. So it was like still a really hard trek back to the car. But can I tell you that my entire countenance changed? The person that I was and how I acted walking up the hill was vastly different from the person walking back down to the car because of a few things one i'd already journeyed this before so i knew about how much longer we had like i recognized like oh that's the poisonous plant that i shouldn't eat just in case i wanted to eat a flower i don't know um but crystal told me that's poisonous so don't eat it and i was like okay um so i like knew like there's that one okay there's that one um that was helpful i had already journeyed it before um but the other thing was I had reached one of my destinations and I had had a moment with the Lord there. I had reached for all intents and purposes that glory. And that glory stays with you. It can't be taken away. You carry it with you the rest of your life. And so what happened in me is No longer was I sitting and complaining about the uphill that I had to walk up, but instead I was the one encouraging Crystal because now she had reached her limit and she's like, I'm so done. She was really hungry. And so I was like, no, we could do this. It's it's just right up here. It's okay. We got this. And, um, And I also, the internal conversation with the Lord stopped being this sucks and I started thanking him as I walked up. In my sloth-like pace, for each step, it was just, thank you for the journey. Thank you for this journey. And I began to praise him and thanking him for the food that was waiting for us at the car. (laughs) But again, going back to what we talked about in Romans 8.18, like I said, we focused on the journey. We focused on the fact that Paul says that we're going to suffer, but it pales in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. So as I said, we carry what we learned from the journey as well as any other time we've reached whatever destination the Lord wants to take us to, whatever, whatever gifts that we get along the way. We carry those with us, and and those can't be taken away. And that informs our next journey if we choose to let it inform us. All right. How are we doing? We're doing good? Okay, great. Because I'm going to conclude, but... I have some things to say in my conclusion. So as I wrote... There's a mindset that is crept into the church, and I don't think it's here. I think it's the church universal. And it's this mindset that says, none of this will matter when I get to heaven, which isn't totally false, but that's what the enemy does. He twists it just enough to where it's like, it's kind of true, but not really, so that means it's a lie. You're right. You can't take your money with you. You're not going to take your house with you. That's all facts. But the problem with this statement and why it's a complete lie is because that's insinuating that heaven is our promise. But that's not our promise. That's not our goal. In fact, the heaven that currently exists is going to be changed a lot. Because we know, Revelation says, there's a new heaven and a new earth. So right now, that's just a holding place for what's to come. So the experience that I had hiking was on a Friday. On Sunday, I went to church with Crystal. And um, it was a great service. And there was this moment um, after worship where two young ladies got a word of knowledge about anxiety. um, And I got wrecked because I deal with it a lot. Um, But in the midst of her saying that and and talking, you know, praying through what the Lord gave her and praying over the room, um, she said this statement, and I don't even know the context in which she was saying it, but it struck my heart like an arrow and I just couldn't stop thinking about what she said and all she said was this life matters. So I went back and asked the Lord, Monday, why did that, what is that? Why did that strike me so much? And I think it's because we don't hear that enough. It's not very often that you hear somebody, especially in the church, say, This life matters. It's it's not just like do-do-do and we'll get to heaven. Like that's not no. This matters. Your life matters. All of it. The, The journey, the destinations that you reach, the things that you receive, all of it matters. The pain that you've endured. The wounds that you have that the Lord wants to heal and is in the process of healing, all of that matters. But what also matters is your response to it. How you choose to to respond to it. And and I've just depicted that I did not respond well, (laughs) but I also didn't give up, I kept walking. And that's, that's one encouragement that I want to leave with you today. Sometimes we have bad attitudes because we're human. And we complain our way through it. And the Lord will still bless you. And the Lord still loves you. And he will still remind you what's waiting for you at the top. What's waiting for you at the end. If only you persevere. If only you endure. Tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And it's my belief that that's a cycle. You don't just lose the hope that you just worked up. That that hope that you got from this journey of going through trials and having to persevere, and that builds character in you, which is embedded into your DNA, and you start to look like Jesus, and that, the more you start to look like Jesus, the more you start to understand the hope of your calling, and you continue to move forward. And onward and it goes in a cycle. Nothing in the kingdom goes to waste, nothing. Um, I, I was sitting here a couple of days ago just working through my, my, this, this thing and um, I went over Rick's notes from when I was gone about judging and he, he talked about the plank in your eye and the speck in your, your friend's eye, your brother's eye. And I loved what he said there. He didn't make this exact point, but it still works. Once you deal with the plank in your eye, it's not just like, poof, it's gone and all is well. You get spiritual authority to deal with the speck in somebody else's eye. Once you deal with the plank that's in your eye, that's just like driving you nuts and you persevere through the struggle of getting that dealt with. And how many of us know that it's not just a matter of getting it out, but then there's healing that has to take place to your eye and you've got to work through that too. And that can be difficult because there's forgiveness and all of these things involved. But then once you've done all of that, You have spiritual authority to speak into somebody else's life. And when you speak into somebody else's life from that place, they can feel compassion and love. Where they maybe felt alone before, now they realize, oh wait, somebody else has gone through this. That's why I talked about Jesus' suffering. That's why it's important to understand we suffer with him. Because now we know he's taken away this, this lie out there that says that you're alone and nobody else has gone through this. That's the thing. I hear that all the time in conversations when people talk about anxiety. They talk about, well, you just feel so alone, and you do feel alone. Then read Matthew 26 and understand that you are not alone. The Savior of the world went through it. He also overcame it. nothing that you do in this life goes to waste nothing that you endure in this life just gets disintegrates into nothingness it all matters so why i felt besides just simple gratitude i really was thankful for your guys' prayers, but I I want you guys to see the impact of what happens in this room, whether it's a Wednesday night or whether it's a Sunday morning or any other time at your house churches um, when you take somebody to lunch. I want to encourage you in this because I want to encourage you in this. The reason Like I said, besides just simple gratitude, I felt led to thank you guys at the beginning before I said a word. Was this? It dawned on me that what you guys prayed, and it maybe did on a Sunday morning. And it maybe didn't feel like effort. Maybe you just came up here and you just put your hand on my shoulder or just stuck your hand out. And, and maybe you didn't pray with your out loud voice. Maybe you prayed in your head or whatever. But what happened here in this moment, do you realize it affected something a state away? That as I sat there, sitting outside of Oregon's amazing Capitol. I was like nine when I went to our Capitol. I don't really remember it, but Oregon's is like majestic. It's crazy. It's a beautiful Capitol building. But anyway, as I sat outside there, the tent literally from where I was sitting leading worship, I could see their Capitol building and I can see this massive gold man standing on top of of the building. And and I I was, thinking of the people and the faces that I had seen walking down the street and all of these things, that's because you guys prayed. Yes, there was prayer involved for me, and there was my preparation, but I was sent with something. So understand that what you think is a small contribution to something That's not how it works in God's kingdom. That's not how it works. Our father's better than that. He's bigger than that. And what feels like a small offering of just bless Jill as she goes, actually, and I don't know, I haven't heard any testimonies, but, well, actually I do know. There was a guy, as I'm sitting in this tent and I'm singing, and I'm just my eyes were barely open. I was just like with the Lord somewhere crying and all this. There was a guy sitting in the front row with who I'm assuming was his caregiver. And um, every so often I'd open my eyes and I'd kind of see him like bobbing his head or whatever. Um, I don't know what he had. I don't know. It it was clear that something was there, but I I don't know if it was autism or something like that. But he was an older gentleman. And like halfway through my set, he gets up and he pulls out a wad of cash and he tries to hand it to me and goes, this is so good. And I was playing guitar, so I was like, oh, thank you so much. And he just put it down and then I went back and worshiped and just left it. And my heart was, I'll just put it in the donation box. And so after my set, um, I went and talked to um, the director of Salem House of Prayer, his wife, Linda, and to Crystal, and at separate times, they told me that this man went up to both of them at separate times and said, oh, she's, it's just so amazing. Can you make sure that she knows I put a dollar there? And, and he like told them, it's for her. This is for her. Now, my point in saying that is not to brag. It's to say he was clearly impacted. And that's because you prayed. That wasn't the only thing that I heard from people, and that's because I have a community that backs me up in prayer. Your prayers affect something. When you buy somebody a coffee, or you give here or there, it affects something. I forgive me, I didn't look up this scripture. I think they're somewhere in scripture or I don't know. But when you give your time, when you give your prayers, when you give financially to something, do you know that it's credited to you in heaven, it's credited to you as if you went. So when we support Wendy and Snoya in Malawi to you with finances or with our prayers, Do you know that it's credited to you as if you actually stepped foot in Malawi, whether you ever stepped there or not? That's how good a father we have. So this little house, what we do here, the the weak yes that you might bring, or the gung-ho, let's I'm all in, yes that you bring, it matters. And it affects change. So when you are victorious in your journeys, when you choose not to quit, when you choose to endure and persevere, something happens in the kingdom realm, in the kingdom, in the spiritual realm. Something's, something, I, we don't, might not know what it is, but it, it, something happens. And all of heaven rejoices. So I, I just want to encourage you and I felt very strongly this as I prepared this week. The Lord, just like he said in my ear as I walked up that, that path, <laughs> it really was good and I'm really thankful for it, obviously, because he spoke to me. But just like he said, I think there are some of you here and there are probably those who are not here who will feel it in the spirit that God wants to encourage you and I I really mean this so hear me when I say this if there are those of you who are walking this journey you're walking in a journey right now where you're going I don't know if I can make it I look up and this feels helpless and hopeless and I'm just ready for it to be over because I've been walking this this journey for so long and I'm just done and nothing seems to be getting better and I'm not seeing the resolution. The Lord wants to tell you and I wish I can look all of you in the eyes and just take your faces so I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to do it. Holy Spirit, would you grab all of our faces, including my own, Would you look us in the eyes, and would you just speak to us in saying, it's going to be worth it. You're doing great. Keep your head up, and put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to say that again. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. You're doing great. Keep your head up. And put one foot in front of the other. I'm just gonna wait a little bit longer. I'm gonna let you take that in. And if the Lord's saying anything else, just listen. Some of you need to hear that your life matters. It's not an accident that you just in this house, but on this earth. Pray for us and then we're free to go. So Jesus. God, I, I I thank you for what you went through. Jesus, I thank you for the suffering that you endured. The pain, the betrayal, the mocking. the anxiety, the torment that you endured, so that I could understand and could accept, so that we, all of us, could receive the truth that we are worthy because you made us that way. So that we could receive the truth that our life matters because it's not us who's living. It's you who lives inside of us. So, Jesus, I also thank you for your leadership, that at any moment uh, uh, while, I, while we walk this journey, that any moment where we feel doubt or, like, giving up or any of that, um, Lord, that we can simply look at you and say, Lord, what are you doing? How did you do this? Teach me. Lead me. And Lord, we thank you for the victory. Lord, we thank you for the glory that is revealed in us, your glory that is revealed in us, that every step that we take, every journey that we endure, leads to us looking more and more like you, like you always intended it to look. You spoke those words. Let us make man in our image. Father, we receive that identity this morning. That we and we alone were made in your image. That we and we alone are recipients of your vast love. Would that love strengthen us? Fill us with hope for what's, what lies ahead as we walk our, our different journeys And as we come together, Lord, would we remember to encourage each other, to remind each other of your promises, to remind us of who we are in you, to remind us who you are. So that, Lord, in all these things that you would be glorified. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.